This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 13th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Using special software, many police agencies are now able to assign you a threat score to help them decide how to handle their next interaction with you. Jim Harper, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, says as bad as that sounds, it's important to separate the technological capability from how that capability will be used. Police are now able to generate a threat score for suspects. What does that mean? Well, according to news reports, and it's not terribly surprising given the vector of technology and data, law enforcement are using software to try to amass information about suspects, people involved in ongoing situations in real time so that law enforcement officers heading to a scene can be better informed about who they're going to encounter when they get there. Police in the past have had problems with wrong door raids, uh, with you know having the wrong people in custody for long periods of time. Um, so my concern with something like that is uh, how armed to the teeth are police going to be when dealing with somebody that turns out to be no threat at all? Well, let's start at the beginning in an earlier bucolic time like Mayberry. Police had a lot of success on The Andy Griffith Show and in Real America knowing who people were. One of the important dimensions of law enforcement was knowing who you're interacting with. Is it the town drunk? He presents this much of a concern. Is it so-and-so the shopkeeper? No concern at all. A new person in town? Not sure. We're going to have to learn about that. And this process is trying to replicate that on a mass scale so that an officer who's sent to the scene can get information from dispatch that says what kind of person this is like. So I'm not entirely against the use of this kind of technology. In many situations, throw out a number, 95%, 90%, whatever it may be, a little bit more information can help them know that they're going to a scene where uh, nobody is known to be dangerous, or it can help them know that they're going to a scene where someone is very dangerous, and that can help. The challenge is when there are data errors or poorly written algorithms that cause law enforcement to get bad information going in, and there we arrive at the situation you're talking about where an innocent person, an unarmed person, a person with no criminal history is approached as though they are a hardened criminal, a gun-toting burglar, whatever the case may be. So there's a real problem when that happens, and this kind of thing probably hasn't been thought through very much by the software writers themselves or the jurisdictions that use it. Now, there's another concern, which is I know when people get pulled over uh, by a highway patrolman or something, it's possible for that highway patrolman to get information about that person that colors their interaction. Uh, One of the concerns that I have is uh, that certain people will simply be treated worse by the police because of the data that come back comes back routinely every time in their lives they have an interaction with police. Yeah, that's a that's a valid concern, but be careful not to substitute the problem with the, with that dynamic in for the technology, which is to say that happens all the time today. That is law enforcement pull people over and Uh, where they're from, what they look like, obviously their race, causes them to be treated uh, unfairly very often. 
If it's not a technological problem. Not a technological problem. You use technology and do something very similar. I don't know if you necessarily want to blame the use of technology. It's possible to do better than human human decision-making with a technology like this. There's a great risk, though, that when you make mistakes, if you rely too heavily on this kind of technology, there's a sort of lab coat mentality where if this came from a computer, it must be right. We've got to get away from that and understand that this is going to be as fallible as, say, an eyewitness report. Police should go in realizing that this is just one input and it's not the gospel about, about what you're about to encounter. Another dimension of this that's important to think about is, is what data they're accessing and, and, and how they're using it. Assumedly, and the, the, the news reports aren't, aren't going to be complete, of course, they're accessing as quickly as they can law enforcement data about subjects if they have the name identifiers. Social media, public record, are they accessing credit reporting data? Who knows? But at a very high speed, public officials are making decisions about people that are equivalent to decisions that would be made more slowly. And when the government makes a decision about you, you have a due process right to, to know what the data is, to know what the decision rule is, et cetera, et cetera. This is going to happen really fast, but I think those due process rights still need to exist. So if we've got systems that more or less instruct law enforcement to act a certain way when they approach you, the public and the individual should probably be able to access those systems, understand what data is being used, get access to the data, perhaps have data correction rights if it's going to be used for public decision-making. These are all dimensions of due process that should be infused into this kind of system because it's just like old-style systems, but it's using computers and going faster. Similar to uh, the fight over NSA data collection that is well, at least when it comes to most Americans, is suspicionless uh, data collection. Uh, another concern, I think, might be that we are, again, flipping the burden of proof, in a sense, on what a particular suspicion would be for a, a, an individual who may or may not be involved in crime. That you're flipping the burden and asking a person to say, well, you know, prove to us that you're not a, a bad guy. This system can be used well or it can be used badly. It's a neutral tool. And it could be used to over-indicate that people are bad. And then you get overreaction on the part of law enforcement and in a small percentage but very important percentage, uh, violence or death uh, to both uh, uh, individual citizens and law enforcement personnel. So it's very important to, to not allow this to uh, ratchet up the intensity of law enforcement. As often as it ratchets up, it should ratchet down the intensity of law enforcement. Will that happen? Who knows? But I don't necessarily think that looking into people as a, an officer is heading to a scene presumes guilt or requires the person uh, or, or, or requires the government to give that person some uh, ability to challenge in, in real time. Does it violate the principle of innocent until proven guilty to look into a person on your way to a scene? I don't think it does. But there are real dangers here. There are real consequences and, and uh, quite unfortunate ones if this system, if systems like this are not used very, very intelligently. Jim Harper is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of Identity Crisis. Follow us at Twitter at Cato Podcast.